0: Hi, I'm Richard Hunt. Thank you for joining us. Ever since the 1990s, Veggie Tales has provided a fun and inspirational take on stories from the Bible. The characters share Christian values aimed at a level where kids can comprehend, but leaving in enough for parents and other adults to share a smile. Over the years, millions of Tale videos have found their way into homes and churches. Now there is a reset being planned— all new episodes are in the works, expected to debut this fall on TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And in the driver's seat, riding and producing the shows, are many of the people originally part of the early videos, the ones that captured so many hearts. <laughs> Phil Vischer was the co-creator of VeggieTales, and he is deeply involved in the exciting project for a new generation of viewers. Join me as Phil shares his innermost thoughts about this landmark faith-based franchise. So the concept of of vegetables talking about God, Phil, where did that, that idea come from?
1: It came out of uh, technological pragmatism, which is probably not where you expect. Uh, Some people have accused us of trying to get kids to eat more vegetables, and others have accused us of trying to get them to eat less vegetables, and it was really neither. I was a computer animator in Chicago um, back around 1990, way, way, like 150 years ago, in the early days of, of computer animation, and I was trying to figure out how to make characters and tell my own stories but the technology of the day could only handle simple shapes. So you couldn't do people, you couldn't do puppies, you could only do like the scrubbing bubbles commercials, which were little balls that raced around a bathroom making it clean. And I thought, okay, I need really simple shapes to tell Bible stories. What should I use? And I thought, well, how about a candy bar? And so I made a little candy bar on the computer, and I gave them eyes and a nose and a mouth. And I thought, okay, this could work. Kids like candy bars. And then my wife walked by, I I had been married about a year at this point, and said, you know, moms are going to be mad if you make their kids fall in love with candy bars. And I thought, oh, she's right. Okay, what is shaped like a candy bar that wouldn't make moms mad about their kids falling in love with? And the next thing that popped into my head was a cucumber. And uh, that's where vegetables came from. It was looking for simple shapes. So I made Larry the cucumber. He was tall and skinny. He needed a friend who was short and round. I thought, okay, tomatoes, short and round. So we had a cucumber and a tomato, and that's how VeggieTales was born.
0: Wow. Now, I understand in doing some research here that the very first episode was created in in a spare bedroom you had?
1: Yes, I started uh, Where's God When I'm Scared was the first episode. I started out in a spare bedroom. I was actually trying to animate the episode all by myself, and I got about four minutes into it. And I realized I was not going to make it. It was too too slow, too labor intensive. So I had to hire uh, I hired two kids right out of art school, guys right out of college to help. And then my wife said, I don't want them coming into our house and working in our spare bedroom. So you need to move out. And uh, so we were on the north side of Chicago at the time. We, I rented a tiny little storefront office. Uh, in between a grocery store and a comic book shop on the north side of Chicago. It's about 600 square feet, little space. And the three of us, uh, these two kids and I, set up the one computer in the storefront because uh, I could only afford one computer because it was, I think... It was about $75,000 to be set up to do that kind of animation back then. And the three of us triple shifted on the one computer around the clock in eight-hour shifts, and we got the first episode done in four and a half months in time for Christmas of 1993. And
0: how, when you're processing all this, you know, in your mind and writing the script and looking at the characters— how do you go about adding personalities, you know, to to the vegetables? How do you infuse that?
1: Yeah, it's it's one of a couple of ways. One way is your own personality. So uh, Bob is me when I've had too much caffeine and I'm just kind of wired and bouncing off the walls and getting frustrated that things aren't going well. Um, Larry the Cucumber is my friend Mike Naraki, who I met in Bible College. Uh, we were doing puppets in Bible College in Minnesota, and we both uh, were, ended, up, ended up being invited not to come back to Bible College because we had missed too many chapels because uh, we were having fun with our, our little puppet team. So Mike is really goofy and laid back. That He became Larry the Cucumber. Larry the Cucumber is him. You meet them. you'll say i just met larry the cucumber Uh, I'm Bob the tomato but then there are other characters that I would get inspiration from a a movie character you know someone in a film that would had an interesting voice I thought oh can I do that voice that's interesting so uh, when I was uh, just starting to have kids one of the popular uh, movies was the nightmare before Christmas and there was the villain in the nightmare before Christmas is the oogie boogie man
0: who kind of talks like this
1: and it was a really fun character And I thought oh I think I can do that voice let's put that into a character, kind of a a villain, bad guy at the time. I needed a bad guy for one of our shows, so I made a big, giant zucchini, and I gave him that voice, and he was playing the role of Nebuchadnezzar in the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that became Mr. Nezzer. So a lot of the characters, you know, Mr. Lunt was his sidekick. I thought, okay, he needs a sidekick. Uh, The sidekick is kind of like a a gangster's sidekick. I just watched, at that point, uh, another hit movie was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? In Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there are these weasels and they're the gangster's sidekick, the bad guy's sidekick. And I thought I could kind of do the voice of one of those weasels. He's a guy who says, man, what are we going to do with these guys? And I thought, OK, well, that's Mr. Lunt. He's a gangster's sidekick. So a lot of the characters are me imitating characters from movies that I like just to see, can I do a character like that? And then what vegetable should I put into others? Uh, I'll tell you one more story. Jimmy and Jerry Gord. Uh, Mike and I both worked at a video production house in Chicago, and the boss at that video production house had kind of a funny way of talking. And so when we created Jimmy and Jerry Gord, Mike and I both said, well, let's each do our own imitations of that boss that we had. And my imitation was, hey, yeah, hi, how are you doing? And Mike's imitation was, hey, hey, how you doing? And those became Jimmy and Jerry Gord. They were both of us doing our own imitations of the same guy.
0: How did you come up with the French peas?
1: Oh, the French peas? Oh, it's quite easy. Mike and I both loved Monty Python. And uh, there's this classic scene in the classic Monty Python film, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where uh, there are Frenchmen on top of a castle wall hurling insults at the Englishmen, and the insults don't make any sense at all. So the Englishmen are just staring at them. Uh, I saw that probably on PBS when I was in high school, thought it was absolutely hilarious. So we're telling the story of uh, Josh and the Big Wall, basically Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. And I'm thinking, okay, so the Israelites are marching around the wall, you know, seven times. They're going to blow their horns what are the people of Jericho doing? Are they just staring at them silently? And I thought, no, they're yelling insults. They're on the top of the wall yelling insults, which immediately made me think of the Frenchmen in Monty Python's The Holy Grail yelling insults that didn't make any sense. And so I thought, okay, we've got French peas, and they're up there, and they you Israelites, you will not destroy our walls! And it was just so much fun uh, that we kept using them over and over again. And what do they
0: say? Hello, children of Israel. It was nice to meet you. Now go away. Something like that?
1: Yes. Now go away.
0: (laughs) That is amazing.
1: Now, I understand
0: that, you know, over the years, a lot of videos, uh, probably VHS followed by DVDs were were sold. Do you have an accounting, like how how many millions were actually sold?
1: The last number I heard was 65 million which is just freaks me out. I have no idea where they, where they all are. At one point, someone did a, did a survey and uh, there was a, a, at least one VeggieTales video in one third of American homes where young children were present. And that just blew my mind that we were able to take Bible stories and get them into a third of all American homes with young kids uh, simply by doing it in an unexpectedly lighthearted way. Because yeah, quite often when we Christians, we want to teach people things. We, this is serious stuff. This is life or death. You know, this is heaven and hell and, and salvation and redemption. This is serious. We need to be serious about this and not everyone responds to a really serious approach even if it's a serious message so we discovered that when I would sit down to tell a Bible story I would start out by saying what's sacred about this story what what is this story given to us to communicate now take that seriously but once you've figured out what's sacred about the story then feel free to to enjoy the rest of it to have fun with the rest of it so when Daniel is with the Lions in the lion's den he walks out and says Thanks for the pizza, you know, just as a throwaway joke, like the lions ordered pizza for him. That's not really messing with what the story is about, but it's just something that makes people say, oh, I didn't expect that. That's fun. So it's that disarming humor that we discovered allows a lot more people to get gain interest and access to Bible stories that they thought would be too dry or dull or, or serious for them.
0: Phil, what kind of feedback have you gotten over the years about the the faith influence that the characters have had on on people, on families?
1: Oh, quite often now I I speak at college campuses uh, quite a bit. And I realize that the college kids coming up to talk to me were the first generation of kids that grew up on VeggieTales. You know, so they were two, three, four when we started. And now they're in college or even now starting to have their own kids. And probably the most common thing that some of these college kids will say is just thank you for my childhood Um, because their parents were looking for something that was faith supportive, you know, not faith destructive but that the kids would enjoy. And the only thing that they could agree on that the kids liked and that the parents thought, well, this is supporting our faith, uh, that they really could agree on was VeggieTales. So to find that we made a way for kids to really enjoy engaging with their faith um, is really awesome. And then there were the kids that were going through hard times. You know, there were the, we've gotten letters from kids uh, that were wrestling with illness and cancer and that were stuck in children's hospitals. And they were watching VeggieTales over and over again. And it's not just to distract them from an illness or a loss, but it's the fact that we're saying, remember, kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. No matter what you're going through, God is there with you in it. So to be able to communicate that kind of deep theological truth, but in a format that's also entertaining, uh, gave us access to kids in some really hard situations.
0: Now, my understanding is that VeggieTales is, to use a term, being born again. Uh, at some point in the history of VeggieTales, uh, things changed. Maybe went sideways a little bit. Could you just touch on that, but tell us what's going to be happening?
1: Yeah. So I had um, uh, I started VeggieTales when I was very young, like 25 years old. By the time I was 30. It was the best-selling Christian kids product in the world, and suddenly I decided, you know, I'm going to be Walt Disney. I'm going to be the Christian Walt Disney, and and this is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger, and I'm going to build a theme park, and I'm going to, you know. And so I was chasing this dream to be Walt that I realized in hindsight God did not give me that dream. That was my own head. And so as I'm building and spending and building and spending, I ended up spending myself right into bankruptcy. So I actually lost uh, the company because I was so convinced that God wanted me to be Walt Disney when he was just asking me to be Phil, just tell these stories. Uh, So I lost it, lost everything in 2003. The company was sold, Uh, a company in New York bought it, they made some new videos, then a company in London bought the company in New York and they made some new VeggieTales videos. Then the company in New York bought it back from the company in London, and then they sold it to DreamWorks in about 2012 or so. And then DreamWorks made some new stuff and then DreamWorks was bought by Universal Studios, and every time it was bought or sold, typically I would reach out and say, hey, do you need any help? Can I help? Uh, hoping that I could kind of get my hands back to steer the characters again and, and steer it into really solid uh, theological ministry, which was my goal all along. And quite often it was, well, we're too busy right now. We'll talk to you later. Finally, just in the last year, um, as Universal took over the ownership of, of VeggieTales, uh, our friends at the Trinity Broadcast Network had been chasing, I didn't realize this, they'd been chasing VeggieTales for like 10 years, trying to see, well, could we have a part of this? Could we do something with VeggieTales? Because it's the most popular thing we've ever had to put on for kids. Um, and no one wanted to work with them, because everyone was doing their own thing. Universal finally said, hey, we'll work with you, sure. So TBN and Universal made an agreement that they could make a new VeggieTales series, that TBN could produce a new VeggieTales series. TBN was smart enough to say, hey, we want the, the original team involved in this, or we don't want to do it. And they reached out to me, and they reached out to Mike, um, and we pulled in Kurt Heineke, who produced all the music from all the original VeggieTales videos. And we said, okay, if we're going to do this, we're putting the band back together. Uh, we're going with the original characters the way we conceived them in 19, you 1994, know, 1995 and we are teaching the bible. You know, we're hitting bible stories, we're teaching biblical values and we're going to do it like the classics, like like we started. And uh, TBN was all on board. They love that idea. Universal said, "Sure, go for it." And so Mike and I are writing, we're writing new songs, Kurt Heineke is producing new music. Um, I've already written 6 episodes of this new series. It's a really fun idea. And it's just, you know, it it kind of feels like putting the Muppets back together or or the Blues Brothers when they want to put the band back together and get on the road again to see, you know, it's time for a new generation of kids to meet Bob and Larry. And it's really exciting.
0: Without giving too much away, are we going to see any new characters, perhaps?
1: Um, There are so many characters from the classics and then from some of the videos that were made over the last 10 years that we have tons to pull on uh to pull from so we're not creating any new characters we're we're kind of trying to refresh the old characters and bring them back so it really does feel you know like the the glory days of VeggieTales um i i had two big influences growing up as a kid one was Walt Disney but the other one was Jim Henson and so I went between puppets and animation is my two loves. And The Muppet Show was my absolute favorite show when I was a kid. And one of, my, one of the ideas that I always had with VeggieTales was what if they actually did a little variety show, a little TV variety show, kind of like The Muppet Show, where it's a mix of segments and songs and stories. But you could also see behind the scenes. You know, I love the parts in The Muppet Show where you see how poorly it's going backstage and how frustrated Kermit the Frog is. And I always thought, well, that would be so much fun to do with Veggie Tales, where the classics, we only saw them on camera from the front, but never behind the scenes and what was going on backstage. And so that's what we're doing. We gave them a little show in a theater. They're putting on a show in a theater. And so every episode is Bob saying, all right, what's the show going to be about today? And they're kicking around ideas around a big table and somebody comes in with something or a kid sends in a letter and they say, "Okay, go. Who's got an idea? And all the characters have to come up with ideas, to ways to present this uh, lesson or come up with a lesson. Of course, half of them go horribly wrong. But then ultimately one works and they actually successfully teach something uh, semi-accidental, and it's really fun to put them into that context.
0: Looking at the uh, the, the classic veggie tales, I know that uh, silly songs got a lot of attention. How did you come up with the concept of, of silly songs?
1: I just, uh, Silly Songs came out of me just wanting to do a commercial break kind of in the middle of the show. You know, let's just do something completely silly right in the middle of the show. The very first episode, uh, God Wants Me to Be Scared, I was working still as an animator, a commercial animator in downtown Chicago and it was tax season, and I had to go. This was back before you could download tax forms online, so I had to take a trip on the bus to go to a post office to get the tax forms I needed, and I'm riding on the bus on my way back from the post office, and suddenly, just a little song pops into my head. Everybody's got a water buffalo. Yours is fast, but mine is slow. Where'd we get them? I don't know, but everybody's got a water buffalo. And so I, I had a little tape recorder and I recorded it so I wouldn't forget it. I thought, well, that would be fun just to throw in as a random thing. I guess I could have Larry sing it because Larry's the silly one and it's a silly song. So I guess we'll call it, it, now it's time for silly songs with Larry and he sings the water buffalo song. And I honestly thought, well, that was fun. And we'll, in the next video, we'll do something different. We won't necessarily do another silly song with Larry. So in the second video, we did a little spoof TV commercial and and sent that out to people and immediately got letters well where's the silly song with larry why wasn't there a silly song with larry in that episode and i thought wait i never promised you a silly song with larry in every episode but it it, people loved that so much that i said okay mike uh do you want to try to come up with a a, a silly song for larry to sing for the next one and he said okay okay i'll go to work on that and he came into the office the next day and said i was in the shower this morning And I couldn't find my razor. And I started singing, Oh, where is my razor? Oh, where is my razor? And I said, okay, Mike, 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 that's a good idea. But we don't want kids running around their houses looking for razors. So can you change it to something that's less dangerous? And he went away. He said, give me a, give me an hour. He went away and he came back. He said, how about hairbrush? And I thought, that works.
0: Oh, where is my hairbrush?
1: Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where's my hairbrush? And so that did went into the run? third video, which is still probably the most popular silly song of all time. And I said, okay, Mike, from now on, you're writing silly songs with Larry, one for every episode, uh, which he did for about the next 10, 15 years. And that's where silly songs came from.
0: Now, as a as a professional and also as a Christian yourself, over the years up to this point. What have you learned from the VeggieTales experience?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, So so much. Um, I think the biggest lesson I learned, and this was through, you know, the loss of of the company, because I had made uh, the company my identity. You know, my ministry had become my identity. Uh, And what God needed to teach me was... That the mistake I was making was I had made the work I was doing for God more important than my relationship with God. You know, so I was too busy doing stuff for him to just sit and rest with him. And we don't find our identity when we're working for God. We find our identity when we're walking with God, when we're just doing life with God. God. And that led to me displacing my identity and deciding, you know, I think God wants me to be Walt Disney, or I think God wants me to be Jim Henson. I think God wants me to be somebody, just not Phil. And God wanted me to be Phil. You know, he already, there's, there was already a Walt Disney. There was already a Jim Henson. God isn't interested in me trying to be something I'm not. He was interested in just me. And he loves me even when I'm not doing anything at all. Uh, and sometimes we, we grow up, if you grow up in church, you grow up just hearing all the stories of people doing amazing things for God. You know, my great grandfather was a radio preacher. I grew up going to Bible conferences and missionary conferences and, and hearing all the amazing things that people were doing around the world for Jesus. And so growing up, I always wondered, well, what's the thing I'm going to do? You know, what's the amazing thing that I'm going to do? Because that seems to be what God wants from us but to just say no, into my own kids, no, God just wants to be with you. The, the work he has for you will come out of your relationship with him when it's time. You don't have to rush it, and you definitely don't have to kill yourself trying to make it happen, because that's not what he's asking. He's asking us to rest in him and walk with him, and out of that will come the work he has for you, when it's time i have to remind uh, college kids because we all want to save the world you know like noah we all want where's my ark you know i want to build an ark i want to save the world whether it's a hit movie or a hit tv show or or a hit ministry we want to build an ark and save the world so i have to remind kids well how old was noah when god tapped him on the shoulder and gave him something big to do to save the world and usually we forget i i don't know 80 uh, 70 no he was 500 He was 500 years old. So the question is, what did Noah do for the first 500 years of his life? And then they'll typically answer, well, we don't know. It doesn't say. No, it says exactly. Uh, In Genesis, it says, Noah was a righteous man. He walked with God. That's what Noah did. For 500 years, he didn't freak out that he wasn't saving the world, that he didn't have a big mission, that he wasn't, you know, building a mega church. He just walked with God. And when God had something big for him to do, he knew that Noah would be listening because he'd been listening for 500 years. So I have learned to slow down and just listen to God and let the work I do for God come out of my relationship with God, which would have saved me a whole lot of trouble.
0: Phil Vischer, you are a fascinating guy. I appreciate your sharing with us. Thank you. I'm very glad I could.